From the Nevada Independent, this is On the Trail. I'm your host, Jacob Solis. And I'm your co-host, Gabby Bierenbaum. This week, a computer glitch at the Secretary of State's office sent online conspiracies into overdrive after a voting history page made it look like voters turned in a ballot in the state-run presidential primary this month, even when they never voted at all. A fix for the coding errors is now in the works, and officials say the issue never affected vote counts. But after election conspiracies defined the 2020 election and have continued to play into this year's campaign, are the state's election systems ready for a presidential election that could come down to Nevada? Secretary of State Cisco Aguilar joins the show to explain just what went wrong and why he thinks the state is still ready for November. Later, we talk to reporter Tabitha Mueller to find out just how this computer glitch could ripple through the rest of the year. Well, listeners, you may have picked up on a little bit of a a new intro this week. Gabby, you're a co-host now. How's it feel? It feels amazing. I think I'm on a mission to be as annoying as possible. Um, And I think now being a co-host of a podcast is a great step in that direction uh, towards achieving that goal. So I'm excited to talk politics with you. Jacob and I both love movies. We like sports. So, you know, there might be some occasional diversions into other things, but I'm excited. It's true. Nothing could be more obnoxious than adding podcast hosts to your resume. And so, Gabby, you finally made it. Thank you. So, listeners, you can expect to hear a lot more of Gabby on the show, which we should also say we plan on going weekly. Uh, Last week, we may have mentioned that we were going to take a little hiatus after the primary. Um, But there's news. There's just so much news. There's there's so much news happening. So we're going to keep going. And there is just too little podcasting time to cover it all. So I guess that's a good time to pivot to what we're talking about this week, Gabby. We're talking about this computer glitch that was heard around the state. Um, it basically revived a bunch of the voter cons- voter fraud conspiracies across the state that we heard repeated in the 2020 election, that we heard about um, through the 22 campaign trail, and that I think it shows we're going to hear about again this cycle. Yeah. And, and just to contextualize exactly what happened, this was a computer glitch on the Secretary of State's sort of voter history page where you can go check to see if you, an individual, have voted. What happened is they're, they're, the counties have to send all this information to the state. And basically the way that the, the state sort of classifies this information, one of like the codes got mixed up. So voters who didn't turn in a ballot were, were irregularly or, or incorrectly showed that they had turned in a ballot. Now, This made everyone freak out, obviously, because if you didn't vote and suddenly the state website says that you voted, that is uh, concerning, right? And so that, like you say, Gabby, churns up the rumor mill. Uh, But the Secretary of State at the time, and you'll hear in our interview in a second, basically said that, look, no vote counts were affected. This is purely a computer problem. Like the county data was good. The state data was good. It was the mix up happened in between. And he promises it won't happen again. That said, I mean, Gabby, just real quick, uh, it really, when we talk about the rumor mill, it it really got going. Yeah, I mean, I think it's unfortunate when it's already a time where the slightest, you know, issue with vote counting can, you know, set off the rumor mill going. I think when you go look at your voter history and it shows something that's not correct, it's pretty easy to, you know, start churning up conspiracies. And that's what happened. Um, and not just from, you know, random people on Twitter. Um, well, I guess it depends how you feel about Elizabeth Helgelian, but she is a candidate for um, CD3 for Susie Lee's congressional district. She immediately took to Twitter, made a video um, showing that the system coded her as having voted by mail in the primary when she did not. Um, She's a Trump supporter. That would be not one, but two cardinal sins, voting by mail um, and voting in the primary. So she was, you know, upset about this for good reason. But she immediately sort of equated this to fraud. She said, sure enough, they're at it again in Nevada. Um, And the Republican Party, the NVGOP, they were a little more muted. They didn't use the word fraud, but they did immediately send out a statement saying, 
you know, this is worth investigating. It raises questions about the security of tabulating ballots. Um, although, again, this didn't affect the tabulation. It was just the way voters were coded. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it didn't take very long before people started going to fraud. Yeah, absolutely. So with all of that prelude aside, here's our interview with Secretary of State Cisco Aguilar. This one's for you, Joy. I'm going to do a little a little wipe. Just... With me now is Nevada Secretary of State Cisco Aguilar. Cisco, how are you? Doing well. Thank you, Jacob. Glad to be here. And I'm so glad you're on because I think this week in particular, people probably want to hear from you. And we explained a little earlier in the show exactly what happened this weekend. But I think the thing that I want to ask is, you know, this computer glitch, however however brief it was, uh, however much it had no effect on the actual vote tallies, I think still activated the online conspiracy mill that's been activated since 2020. When we talk about voter fraud, when we talk about uh, election integrity, all of these sort of buzzwords, right, used specifically by Republicans. Obviously, there are these unsubstantiated claims in 2020 of mass voter fraud, right? But that played into these election conspiracies that we've been discussing. But let's be very clear. Yes. Nevada does not have widespread voter fraud. There have been cases brought from the 2020 election. There are cases that are pending against some individuals who did violate the law, but they are not numerous in any sense of the way. We run very good elections. And that's because we have 17 clerks who really do a great job at what they do. Right. And I'm glad you pointed that out because I'm, I, I, what I want to know and what I think voters might want to know is when we talk about, OK, Nevada has secure elections. What are the safeguards against fraud? What are we talking about when you say that? Yeah, it, it's in every process, right? It's that's if it'd be great, Jacob, to for you to take this show out to the Clark County Election Center. They can walk you from station to station, show you the exact process that takes place, how it is done in such a meticulous way that they are siloed in ways to prevent the opportunity to collude. Also, too, when you talk about the tracking of ballots, every ballot in Nevada has an individual tracker on it. And I'm so excited about the new system, the Voter Registration Election Management System, VREMS, because that is going to build additional transparency into the process for the voter. We are going to have one database. We are going to have top-down voter registration, which will allow us to ensure that ballots are getting to the intended recipient. It'll allow the voter to better access their information to ensure we have accurate addresses. We have contact phone numbers. We have email address so that we can stay in contact with them about the ballot process. But also, too, it goes down to making sure that Everything we do is with security in mind. And again, I love, you know, we do have a very aggressive election integrity violation report process. We brought on three investigators to look at every single complaint. Last election cycle, we received 700 complaints in the office, but a majority of those complaints were just to overwhelm our office. There were some that had some very serious concerns and we've addressed those. But again, those are minimal in number. When you look at 1.9 million voters and the number of cases that we've referred to the attorney general's office, it is not even a concern when you look at the overall numbers and the data that comes into play. Also, too, with the new system, it is Clark County tested. A person is not able to vote their mail ballot and then show up at a polling location and vote at the same time. Or if somebody goes from county to county, the system will tell that poll worker immediately that that individual has an issue with their ballot because they've already voted 
or they're trying to vote in another county. Well, I'm glad you brought up VREMS, and I do want to dig into it in a second. But first, I, I did want to ask, you know, what would you say to a voter who saw the glitch this week, saw that a mail ballot that they never sent was counted, and now doesn't trust the system in the way that they might have two weeks ago? First, I would start off by apologizing. One, it's my responsibility as Secretary of State to make sure those systems work. And that didn't happen. We had good data coming from the counties being transferred to the state, but you had two systems who were not speaking the same language. And that was the issue and that was the challenge. Once we figured out what the issues are, where we were ready to rectify it, and the system is now fixed and it is working the way it should work. It's talking about technology, right? We're working off of 17 different systems throughout the state, include, and then you add on the state system on top of that, that's 18 systems that have to talk to each other and have to take the data and try to put it all together like Frankenstein and know that the data is accurate and we failed in that process. And so I apologize to that voter because I don't want any voter to ever feel as though they should be concerned about the information. And again, it's very important to point out that the ballots and the tabulation of the actual votes is separate from the database and the voter registration system. And that's intentional. You keep those two separate systems and the votes were actually accurate and right. There was no issue with the tabulation. It was the issue with the actual nonpartisans and those that did not vote by mail. And it had to do with the coding issue. Right. And it was just that sort of voter history, voter registration mix-up. Well, and I guess related, if, if the system as it exists is Frankenstein, then when we talk about this top town, VREMS being the acronym, right? What What is the comparison point? How how would you characterize the switch to a voter who is maybe not plugged into the sort of technical side of the way elections work? So, you know, you take 17, it's like if you went to 17 different, I'm trying to think how to explain this, but it's each system is its own universe in a county. And when each county has a separate system and they're trying to mash all 17 counties into one, you have to make sure that that data transfer is occurring in a way that both systems and all 18 systems really are talking to each other in the same language. It's like getting people, like we're all human, right? And this may be a very bad analogy, but it's the only thing that's coming to my mind. You have 17 individuals who all speak a different language who are coming together for a common purpose, right? They may be coming together for a basketball. They're all in the audience. They all are seeing the same thing. They're all seeing the same game. They see the same score. They know what the ultimate goal and the rules of the game are. They're just talking about it in a different language. And sometimes that misunderstanding doesn't come together to be able to create a synopsis of what all 17 people in that room are seeing at the same exact game. And so we have to get on the same page to be able to speak the same language. With the new system, those 17 systems go away. There is only one system throughout the entire state now that's working off of one set of data. The data was accurate. The data was good. It was the way it was being communicated between the different systems. Gotcha. Well, this top-down system has been something that's been in the works for a long time. And I guess my curiosity is if it wasn't ready for the sort of primary caucus, I mean, obviously that's in February and we don't have another primary until June, but what is your confidence that this is going to be all done and dusted by the time we have another election and, and, and certainly done and ready to go in time for the general election? Right. 
So the system's going to go live in April, and we will have time to be able to do several mock elections with our county clerks. We will be able to test the model. We'll be able to use it. Clark County actually used the system in front of the presidential primary, and it actually worked as intended. It's pretty incredible when you're able to look at it. Being there in real time and seeing the system working, it brought information to us as election leaders that we don't have our hands on right now. We can see information about how many individuals are in line at a polling site. We can talk directly to the poll workers at a polling location, which increases their safety because they have a direct line to us as well to raise any concerns or issues that they have. So it's the, this system worked well, and it was incredible to see. It gives me an opportunity as Secretary of State to look at all 17 counties and to be able to break down the data by different counties to see so we know that voters are being able to access the ballot box in the way that's best interest of their lifestyle. Not us telling them how they should, but it's the voter deciding and giving them real-time information. Again, it goes back to the security, right? Having this information in real time will also help us increase our security of the ballot box. You know, the speed of Nevada's vote counting related to these mail ballots, right? The switch to universal mail ballots in 2020 and 22, right? Much maligned, but it was by law, right? To some extent. And like you say, a capacity issue. But I guess my question is in 2024, is Nevada ready for the spotlight that another close election could put on the vote counting process? And frankly, how long that process could take? Nevada's a purple state. We're a swing state. We're a battleground state. We're never going to be able to call every election on election night because some of them are just going to be too close to call. However, we can work with our major counties, Washoe and Clark, to build that capacity, to build their processing time, to be able to give them the resources and the tools to be able to count those ballots that they do have on hand so that election night, we can release information to the voter so they can take that information and make whatever decisions they want to make about some of the races. I think we tried really hard and it was great for me to actually see the process in real time to know where some of these opportunities exist for us to increase our efficiency. We are talking about those issues now. You know, I had a lot of questions from that night saying, why do we do this? Why do we do that? Why don't we just release the information? Why don't we work with the counties to be able to do this in a faster process? There can be notification processes. You know, Clark County is going to a 24-hour processing period, which is going to increase the capacity to process ballots altogether. But is it enough? We will find out in June. We keep modeling. We keep testing. But again, it's not until you actually know what voter turnout is that you'll be able to truly see how this works in real time. And we're going to have to make adjustments again after the primary. So when the general comes on, comes around, we are even stronger than we were in June. Okay. That's all I got. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. And we're back. So, Tabitha Mueller, you are a reporter for the Nevada Independent who covers state government, among other things, uh, many other things. And you've been keeping track of some of the voter database fracas this week. So, Tabitha, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. To start, uh, not everyone, not every Republican responded with a conspiracy about this. You cover the governor. Um, Where was our Republican governor, Joe Lombardo, on this? So it was actually really interesting because, as you talked about earlier, the state party sort of said, hey, we're going to investigate these alleged irregularities. Um, And Governor Joe Lombardo took a different 
Uh, he basically said that this is a voter history glitch. It didn't affect vote tabulation. He said the Secretary of State's office is working diligently to resolve the issue and basically reassured voters saying this is, you know, this did not affect the votes. And I guess my question with that is, is that kind of what we expected from Lombardo? How does how do we sort of fit how Lombardo talks about this in sort of how Lombardo has talked about elections in Nevada in the past? I'm thinking specifically what happened in the 2023 legislative session. So I actually think that this fits in a little bit with how Lombardo is approaching things like we've seen him sort of take a different approach than the state party. Right. And, and Lombardo has said that he thinks that there are things that can be done to improve voting. Right. So like he's calling for voter ID. Um, he said that he wants kind of some more stringent policies for checking things. But but for the most part, I think that he has stood by the voting system. Um, he didn't say that there was widespread fraud in the 2020 election. Um, and, and so I think that this is pretty in line with with where he is. And I think he really wants to appeal to voters as kind of a moderate Republican or, or that's how he's presenting himself. So. Tabitha, what I wanted to ask about next is because the Secretary of State said that this isn't going to be an issue in June. They're getting the the new top-down system, VREMS, right, if we're going to use the term of art, um, in April. So I guess, what is the extent to which that matters? Like, how much are voters even plugged in? And I guess my question, is the state losing the information war? So I think it'll be interesting when they actually get that top-down voter system in place, because I think that's when we'll really know, is this working, right? Because I think the Secretary of State has really pointed to this as this is going to improve everything. It will be faster. It will be consistent. We won't have some of the same issues that we have been seeing um, maybe with this glitch that happened, right? Um, I also think that as far as the info wars or the information, like, does the public know? I don't think the public realizes. And, and I don't think that's a fault necessarily of the Secretary of State's office. They have been trying to get this messaging out. I just think that voters aren't necessarily thinking about it. I do think, however, the voters who are watching this system and very tuned into the counting and the tabulation, they do know about it because it's something that they talk about at every single meeting, right? We heard I did an interview with the secretary of state ahead of the uh, legislative session, and he sort of said, this is something, this is our big priority. They talked about it throughout the session. They talked about it after the session. Um, and I actually think it's interesting the way that they have woven information about the the new top-down system into this conversation, sort of saying, look, this is a problem because we didn't have this, and this is why this is so essential for us. I think only real political sickos, right, know the difference between a top-down and bottom-up vote-counting system. But right. we are and the sickos in question, so... Well, and, and for those who maybe aren't a political sicko, uh, political sicko, sorry, um, I would say that the top down meaning or the top down is that everything is sort of done from the state and then it goes down the way. Right. Right now, what we have is individual counties report up to the state. And, and that's where that that issue kind of came in, is that they said as counties were filing these records, there were some uh, records that weren't filed properly, which then caused issues all the way up. Last question for you. And as the resident non-Nevadan on the pod, um, nationally, with national implications, Nevada has kind of been a main character, I think, in several elections because of its slow vote counting. I remember right before I started working with you guys in 2022 midterm, I was obviously watching with interest to see who I would be reporting on in the Senate. And I was like, Jesus, are they ever going to, am I going to know, like, by the time I take this job, which was after Thanksgiving? Um, so with all that being said, uh, you know, the vote counting time wasn't an issue during the primary. It likely won't be an issue in June. But come November, when we expect the top races to be close, 
are we ready as a state? Are we ready, given our national position, for another week-long vote count? I'll never forget the memes that came out during that time. I have a lot of friends who live outside of Nevada, and they were having a heyday with uh, our vote counting system. Um, but I, I do think that, like, we, we saw with the primaries, the votes were counted pretty quickly. We got the results. I think that this is something that the Secretary of State has said that is a big priority for him. Um, and and I think that, like, we will hopefully see those results quickly. Now, I think what happened last time is that we were so used to not having mail balloting. That was the first time that we'd had mail balloting. And I think folks were kind of like, well, what's going on? I do want to note, however, that there are redundancies built into the system. So, like, when we're talking about counting votes and it being slow, there are triple checking. There's multiple ways that they have to signature verify. They have to cure those signatures, right? There's there's a lot of steps that are part of this process. And so it's funny to me when people are like, well, it's not happening fast enough. And yet they're also complaining about there being the potential for voter fraud. So it, it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> but I do think that, that the Secretary of State has said he wants to speed up the process. I think that's been a goal. And I think we saw that that it was much faster this time with the primary results. Well, I think we're going to have to leave it there because uh, I'm getting the hurry up from our producer, Joey. But that means we have now arrived at the lightning round. For the uninitiated, this is where we run through the uh, political or election stories that have really stuck with us this week. Uh, but we're going to do it at lightning speed. So, Tabitha, what's in your lightning round? So I, I think this weekend we saw that uh, reporter Sean Galanka, he posted a story about kind of the use of funding to um, go travel or attend different events. And I thought it was kind of funny that Republicans were or Republicans and, and specifically the Better Nevada PAC was sort of slamming um, a couple of the people that were named in that article. Um, one of them was Speaker Steve Yeager. And yet Speaker Steve Yeager went on a trip with Assemblyman P.K. O'Neill. Um, and that was not mentioned by the Better Nevada PAC. So I just think it's always funny when like multiple people go on a trip together. One person is getting criticized, but both parties went, if that makes sense. Well, incredible stuff. And frankly, uh, this this reminds me of old stories about like using the state plane. Uh, this this election will be um, a doozy, to be sure. A referendum uh, I'm going to steal the microphone. Plane. How about that? A referendum yeah. on all planes, period. <laughs> we must reexamine planes. Anyways, I will steal the microphone now because I my lightning round item, not in Nevada, but nearby in Arizona. Good God. Uh, the feud between Megan McCain, uh, daughter of former Senator uh uh, John McCain, whoa, if I can remember his name, good God. Anyways, she is in a, f a long-running feud with uh, soon-to-be probably Republican Senate candidate and former gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, a Republican big MAGA presence. Uh, and <laughs> Megan McCain tweeted something to the effect of like, uh, let's see, how, how to paraphrase this. Oh, Carrie Lake is like trying to like walk back all the bad things she said about my dad. But, and I quote, uh, Joey, you might have to beat me. Uh, no peace, but she wrote this in normal font. And then Carrie Lake responds with essentially a treatise on Twitter. You know, you can write long tweets that no one reads. Did one of those. Uh, and then Megan McCain, artfully, I should add, quote tweets, all caps, no peace, um, which just you love. And this is something that can really only happen in state politics, I think. Um, so this is why you stay plugged in, folks, for these tweets. Cannot wave the white flag to a former View co-host. They, they know how to fight better than anyone. It's true. The, the view being the trenches, obviously. <laughs> All right, Gabby, what is your lightning So round? I'm also uh, on the Senate map today. Uh, I'm looking at Wisconsin. Um, so in Wisconsin, a uh, Republican candidate uh, who the National Republicans had been looking at and wanted just recently announced, um, Eric Hovde, 
He, um, in playing into the carpetbagger attacks that Democrats have been using around the country, he has a house in Orange County, California, and spends a lot of time out there. Um, so the Wisconsin Democrats did something that I think was made for me and the other people who are on both politics Twitter and the Housewives Twitter, which is that they got various members of the Real Housewives of Orange County to make cameos um, for Eric, wishing him well on his time in Wisconsin, but saying they're excited to welcome him back to Orange County soon. Um the funniest part is included for those who know the OG of the OC, Vicki Gunvalson, who is 100 percent a Republican. Um, so it was both a good troll of the Senate candidate and of Vicki Gunvalson, who's a pretty hated housewife. Uh, so good, good work to the Wisconsin Dems. Really incredible stuff, too, considering just how Republican Orange County is, generally speaking, historically as a place. I mean... Ooh, uh, but I, for one, welcome our new housewife overlords. So uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, our podcast is produced and edited by Joey Lovato. We get additional help from Michelle Rindels and Hallie bernstein Sailor, And our social media whiz is Kristen Leonard. I don't think she knows I call her that in the outro, and I don't know if she listens to this. From the Nevada Independent, I'm Jacob Solis. That's Gabby Berenbaum, and we'll see you next week.